For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 707 on CJD. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host back from Hong Kong, Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. How's your trip, Josh? Ni hao, Dan. <laughs> I'm assuming that means hello. It, hello, how are you? How you doing? How's it? Anyhow, so uh, it was a great trip. Thanks very much. And uh, lots of opportunity there, as, as you, uh, you communicated on the pr our previous show. Yeah, and uh, thanks for sending along the message, Dan. It's, uh, i got to tell you, it's, I, I used the word multipliers last week. And as businesses and entrepreneurs try and seek the help of others, those are your multipliers. Those are how you can get out, whether it's government, whether it's uh, colleagues, whether it's whomever, professionals, whomever it may be, multipliers. And that's how you can get out even faster and better and with more success around the world. Tonight on a program, though, a business that I don't think uh, can be outsourced, and that is team building and, uh, and the business of adventures, I guess, is the best way to describe it. In studio with us are a couple of Marks. We have Mark Morella and Mark Barchat. Uh, Marks, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you guys are with H2O Adventures and Team Building Montreal. Um, perhaps we should start by just tell, telling us a, a little bit about what uh, what these businesses do. Do you want me to start? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, well, H2 Adventures is a company that offers uh, lots of different services. One of our locations is on Lachine Canal, where you can come and rent kayaks, pedal boats, electric boats, and uh, canoes and that sort of thing. So we offer adventure in the urban setting. And uh, originally, it was based on a whitewater kayaking and sea kayaking and that sort of stuff. And uh, as we'll talk about, that uh, we've kind of evolved through the years. And uh, there's a different division that uh, evolved from over the years of the different things that we were offering, and that's team building, which Mark is more involved in. Yeah, and in the team building, we do uh, we do activities with companies. Some of it's uh, training, some of it's just for fun, and uh, we basically specialize in in providing some memorable experiences through whether it be a scavenger hunt or a search and rescue simulation just we get people doing things and working together mm -hmm. now you guys have been friends for a long time where did this business start this started it started in our town of Hudson <laughs> uh, yeah about in 95 so 1995 when we were in university and we needed to make a little bit of extra money to get through university and uh, we we were we were just in love with kayaking, and we started in high school, and that's how we became friends. And it became an opportunity to start teaching it, and we got a lot of support from family, friends, and uh, and the town of Hudson. So that's really where our start was. Yeah, essentially, I studied business and uh, marketing, especially, and uh, I'd actually always had a. a lot of interest in entrepreneurship. I took entrepreneur courses right from Sejap and. Uh, and Mark was studying education, and so we saw it as a perfect opportunity to mix our two skill sets uh, with Mark having the teaching background, and he really developed the whole how we were going to teach and all that sort of stuff, and I came in with all my business uh, knowledge from school and thinking I'll be able to apply it right here in a real uh, life setting, and uh, that's how we kind of got the ball rolling. Did, were you guys always just the two of you, or did you happen to bring on some help, whether it's employees or partners? Yeah. Well, we, we started off, we had... Uh, there were five of us. Mm. Yeah, so that was uh, that was in the easiest. Well, we we didn't actually start with five. We actually evolved in five. It started with just the two of us, and then as a lot of small businesses, uh, the case can be is that you know other people come along and they have good ideas, and especially with us, we had a business that was very uh, social, and so a lot of people saw our business and wanted to be involved some way, and then these people that 
were either girlfriends or roommates or just clients. They they enjoyed the company so much and they became involved. And you know, we we made kind of like what is a, a very common, I think, uh, small business mistake, which early on in the biz uh, the business because it didn't really it didn't have a lot of value. We were giving away shares in the business, like, well, we can't pay you, so. How about you take one-fifth of the company, and one day when we have money, you know, you'll be able to, uh, you know, s- score off the success of the whole company. But we learned really quickly that that's not the best way to uh, you know, remunerate each other is through shares in the company. So we made some of those early mistakes. Was there a clear division of roles amongst the four or five of you, or, you know, was there a, a leader amongst well, I th- I'd say Mark was always the leader, and I think, you know, in our defense, I think everybody brought something different to the table. We had one guy who had a, he had a legal background, and he also taught a lot of different uh, sports, and he was uh, a member of uh, an outdoor adventure club, so he had a lot of contacts. So he seemed like a good guy to have in the business, and uh, we had another person that uh, was Mark's friend, but he was also, uh, he was probably the best kayaker out of the bunch, so he brought a lot of the knowledge for the curriculum and how it could be taught and all that sort of, and the safety background as well. And so I, I thought I brought the business acumen or at least the background, uh, not necessarily a lot of experience coming right out of university. And uh, Mark had the teaching background and the fifth person was uh, was actually bringing in a, a completely different set of skills as well. She brought the whole sea kayaking side. So whereas Whitewater is a very, very small niche by adding sea kayaking, at least we, we more than doubled the sort of potential clientele. So it made sense on paper. But at some point, you realize that maybe they weren't making the best partners or the best contribution, uh, or you weren't getting the best bang out of the buck, or you weren't agreeing. So exactly, w- what it kind of happened? How did that transpire, and how did you have to deal with it? Well, we weren't making enough money, which in the end of the day, you have to make money. And uh, we were teaching kayaking, so let's be realistic here. There's not a lot, a lot of money that can be made doing an outdoor adventure sport like that, especially and, in Canada where the season is so short. Yeah. And so it was. It just. It was almost doomed to fail right from the beginning. And uh, we had to find other ways of making money. How we were going to keep this going uh, full time. And after university, a couple years after university, people had different plans, and they didn't have as much to invest in this in terms of time and effort. And some went back to school. Um, and yeah, I guess as things settled. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, there just wasn't enough to sustain everybody and there was different visions as well some people uh, thought it should be more like a school i mean eventually uh, essentially it started off as a kayaking school being the title but i think mark and i both realized right away is if you teach kayaking as if it was a school you're not going to have a lot of customers it's supposed to be fun and and mark actually read a book called the experience economy and that had a huge impact on us in terms of how we were going to you know, deliver the product that we were delivering or the service that we we're delivering. It wasn't about actually doing kayaking, but rather about offering people a fun weekend away with their friends. And we we were trying to push a lot about the island. And, you know, we lost one guy right off the bat because he thought, like, we weren't taking it serious enough. And he, he wanted people to have better skills and he wanted people to come out of a weekend being pro kayakers. And that wasn't really realistic. Pitfalls of, of partnerships. Right. We'll talk more about that in a second with uh, the Marks, uh, Marilla and Barchat of H2O Adventures and Team Building Montreal. It's 7.15 on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller for today's Entrepreneur, and our guests this evening, Mark Murla and Mark Barchat from H2O Adventures and Team Building Montreal. Guys, you started the business, you were two friends, two partners, you grew to five partners, and you're, now you're back down to two. So obviously something uh, happened along the way there. Uh, can you go into a bit uh, about um, what happened, I guess the rift that started between you and some of the other partners, and, and how important it is to have... Um, I guess a partnership agreement and uh, sort of a clear outline on what everyone's responsibilities are. Okay, so a few years ago, it, uh, it came to our attention that we weren't, as I mentioned before, we weren't making a lot of money, and it wasn't going to be able to sustain all of us uh, over the long term. And um, we had to make some changes. And when it came time to make those changes, we started investigating a little bit more where we were as a company. And we started revealing a few things of that were going a little less well, such as the financials. And, uh, Were you involved in financials to begin with, or did you leave that to one of the partners? We, we left that to one of the partners. Uh, that was one of uh, the partner's uh, responsibilities. In the end of the day, it's, uh, it is a shared responsibility, and uh, I'm certainly not trying to blame anybody on this, but uh, we, we ended up owing a lot of money. And uh, we were, I, I think uh, all said, we were about 75000 in the hole. Um, and this is when kayaking was bringing in how much was it bringing in at the time? I don't even know. It was going to be yeah, enough to cover more that. than that, but it was going to it was going to be difficult to uh, yeah. pay that off in one year, let's say. Yeah, and things started had to get serious. Uh, my um, my wife uh, was pregnant. Found out that was a big catalyst for me. You know, and talk about a little shock value there it was it was amazing. But I realized we can't we can't play businessman anymore. It's time to it's time to make money, um, act act appropriately, and be responsible. I think that's a really good. Uh, the, the part about playing businessmen, and, and I think what happens a lot with uh, with small businesses start out of university and that sort of thing. I think we were able to sort of coast for a while on the idea that, uh, well, we don't have to make a lot of money. Uh, I think a lot of the partners were still living kind of the university lifestyle with five roommates and, mm -hmm. you know, had other jobs in the wintertime. Like, personally, I was working full-time, not even in Montreal, so I was only coming in on the weekends during the summertime. We had Mark, who was also teaching other uh, activities in the wintertime. So it was almost like a hobby, and it wasn't really until that, that sort of breaking point came where we had to... Uh we had to really decide is it's make or break time and you know one of the partners had left on his own accord he just didn't agree with the direction that the company was going and another partner had left uh, you know same thing she decided she'd go she was going back to school and uh, she was going to move on so it was down to the three of us and, um, and and there was and there was real money and real responsibility on the table yeah and really we had to decide uh, you know where we we're going to go from here and uh, and the best decision was uh, we decided to to part ways. And the other partner didn't really share the same um, vision that we did. And I think, uh, in a certain sense, you know, being that Mark and I were the originals and we were friends, it kind of also probably made it kind of like us versus him scenario. And you know, too many cooks definitely spoil the broth. You know, it's hard enough getting the both of us to agree on something, let alone three, four, and five people. Being being in debt, was it scary to part ways with other people who could have, I guess, supported you even just morally, just uh, within your company? There was no problem parting ways. Not at all. We, okay. we, we wanted to part ways. Uh, we wanted to uh, assume more control, more responsibility, and uh, we wanted to go for it. This is a dream that we've had, that we've shared. It's a passion that we have, and, and we want to continue. We could have crawled under a rock and hidden as well, uh, and we chose not to do that. And I, I think uh, in the end of the day, what we learned was... You know, you can you can see a lot of uh, you know uh, synergies when you meet other people 
for business. But in the end of the day, if you don't have the same goals, if you don't have the same morals and the same values, then anytime you know the uh, you know the bleep hits the fan, you're going to realize that you're not going to want to do things the same way. And so, even though uh, these other people may have brought some important things to the business, we realize that we share the same vision, and we were. You know, a lot of times people say, you know, go, don't go into business with your friends because it's going to ruin the friendship. And I think it's only because we are able to get beyond all the troubles through our friendship that we were able to hold on through the really difficult times. Because if we were just uh, business partners, it would have been a lot easier to say, you know what, forget this. You know, let's just move on to other things. I've got a, I've got a degree in this. I can move on to that. You've got a degree in that. You move on, and we could have just washed our hands of the whole thing. And partnerships. I mean, it's important to have healthy partnerships, healthy in terms of vision and healthy in terms of challenging each other. And I, I think that's uh, that's something that entrepreneurs face. Uh, certainly, partnerships face uh, on a, on a daily basis. More with the marks in just a second. It's seven twenty-three on CJAD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. Our guests this evening, Mark Kamarula and Mark Barchat from H2O Adventures and Team Building Montreal. And guys, uh, you are partners for a while now, and we're talking about some of the struggles that, that people go through when they're in uh, business partnerships. Um, how, how are you guys today? Uh, I guess we know how what your struggles were and uh, how you came through it, but uh, what are your roles today and, and how do you divide up the labor and do you ever overlap and do you ever sort of uh, step on each other's toes? Okay, I don't think we overlap too much. Mark Barchat uh, looks more after the uh, all the finance side of things, the uh, back-end stuff, and um, I'm I'm more up, up front. I, I, I do a lot of the selling, program development, and the delivery of programs. And uh, that's that's a really good division because I'm not I'm not as strong in the finance. I don't I don't have very much of a passion for it. And Mark is amazing with numbers, so it's 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 good. That's part of it. Yeah. But you you still keep each other up to date on what your activities are. Yeah, oh, every definitely. day. Yeah. yeah, I think when um, when it came to be that. Uh, that I came in full time uh, with the company when I, when we went through this whole division with the other partners. You know, I had to make a decision. Okay, is this going to be? Uh, you know, are we going to make it? Or are we going to? Are we going to just tank the whole thing? And at that point, I came in and I saw everything that Mark was doing. And I think one of the the best things that I I ever did was freed Mark up to do what he was good at because Mark w had taken on a lot of the accounting duties and uh, he, he, he was doing a lot of sort of the nitty-gritty day-to-day organization of the company and it's really not where his skills are. Mark is a lot more, you know, big picture, uh, you know, eyes on the, on the prize. He's always thinking of something new and, you know, a lot of times we joke around where Mark is the type of guy who will come up with the idea and then as soon as it's in place, he's moved on to the next one. It's up to me to make sure that somebody falls through on it. And and I don't mind that at all. I, I realize that if it was just up to me, we'd probably still be teaching whitewater kayaking and nothing else. Because I would have been very happy with just doing the best job that I could mm -hmm. at teaching whitewater kayaking. Whereas Mark, as soon as we were good at whitewater kayaking, he was like, what else can we do? Let's do sea kayaking. Let's do canoeing. Let's do a kids camp. Let's do team building. Let's do all these other things. And he's almost dragged me kicking, screaming along the way. It's always me saying, why don't we just slow down and just focus on what we're doing? And that doesn't excite Mark. 
So as you're growing the business, I mean, you, you, you've mentioned a few revenue streams, a few different business ideas and services. How, how did you deal with that? How did you ramp up? And, and it sounds like you maybe don't offer as many today. So what, what, was, what was the reasoning behind the growth of those services? I think a big part of it is we started valuing our time a lot more. When we had all the time in the world, we could do anything. We could follow whatever we wanted to do, do multiple programs, uh, different revenue streams, and it didn't really matter. But then as soon as uh, you know, kids came along, uh, families, uh, we weren't living as students anymore, then every minute started mattering more. And we had to see where we could, where we could do the most in the time that we had and what we, what we really loved to do. So focusing on what, what, what turned us on as entrepreneurs and where we were able to make money and um, and spend the least amount, not, not the least amount of time in terms of us being lazy, but we value our free time as well. And, and that became really important and helped in uh, shape some of the decisions we've made. Did you, I mean, you actually did some analysis, you measured, you know, what was the bang for the buck? Or, yeah, or what was the what was bottom line effect of the different services and pared down? Yeah, well, I, actually, let me, let me answer this. So, yeah, no, you were throwing this? me flowers, I'll, I'll answer this. Mark <laughs> loves stats, all right? Like he could talk stats all day long and that be that, that was a little draining at first I'll, I'll admit it wasn't really what my cup of tea but i can't see we've how. got we've got the last eight years all the numbers everything we've done and when we make decisions we're making it based on real numbers not just i think this is where we're going i think this is what hap- uh, is happening he insisted we do a year-end uh, an annual report every year which talk about kicking and screaming like for the first five years i really didn't want to have much to do with it that's gold to us if we didn't have that we wouldn't know we wouldn't know how to get to where we want to go so it's great to be visionary innovative and all that but if you don't have the numbers to back it up you, you could be lost yeah so and, and mark you were you certainly have a background in, in the stats and the numbers right well and i said and that was it it was a matter of like looking at the numbers and seeing you know what was profitable and what wasn't and i think when it's a small business and everything's just going all in the same drawer you know and you're just you're just kind of like the hamster just trying to get as much done as possible and sells many things and you don't really have the time to to quantify okay well it took us seven hours to do this work and it brought us x and it took us two hours to do that work and it brought us y and then all of a sudden we started looking at all the things that we're doing on a on a profitability scale and it was it was really evident right away like okay well this is a make work project and this is a waste of time and this is really not bringing us any revenue and and that's the 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 unfortunate thing about the outdoor adventure industry is it's a very small industry and the difference between being profitable and and going broke are very thin and sometimes comes down to your people and that's what we'll address next at 7:30 on CJ80 Professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. And Josh are Marks, very interesting characters. We have Marula and Barchat from H2O Adventures and Team Building Montreal. And we're talking about your partnership, guys, and obviously a big part of your success is your people as well. Um, a lot of sports, a lot of you know uh, physical activity involved in this, so you have to have a lot of young people. Tell us about some of the perils of employing uh, young whippersnappers, and uh, and what exactly have you encountered along the way? And um, I'm sure you must have some interesting stories about uh, people who've, who've worked for you guys. 
Yeah, well, we, there's definitely been a lot of people over the years. And, um, you know, one of the things when when you're a small business, you, you, can, you can't you can pay as much as you can in a larger business. But what you can offer people is the ability to make a difference. And that's always been our big selling point. You know, you have an idea and we can implement it tomorrow, you know. And so that's always been the carrot that we've been able to bring people in. But, you know, at the same time, you'll get people who... You know, working for a small business and and the in uncertainty of the whole thing and uh, and just the expectations. You know, you can't just work nine to five and do the bare minimum and expect that to go over very well. You know, like when it's a small business, everybody's got to do 150 percent. Otherwise, the company never gets anywhere. And so, uh, you know, over the years, we've had some people who came in and um, and it just wasn't a right fit. You know, they they had good background, they had good education. But the the day to day stress of working for a small business just they realize after working for six months it just wasn't for them. What's your management style with them? Are you more formal? Are you less formal? Or like how often do you meet with them? That's a that's an excellent uh, question because I think one of the things that that hit the home the most for me when I was in school was the whole business style and the whole uh, you know management style autocratic versus you know all the other ones and. I remember in my first couple of jobs, I always thought, you know, I want to break the mold. I want to be that boss where you can be friends with your employees and, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be on the boss and do as I say and that sort of thing. And especially in our type of, uh, you know, a business where it was, we were hiring our friends, we we're hiring our girlfriends, we were hiring, you know, our roommates. Uh, it really made for, you know, some difficult times when when things weren't going well. You know, it's great when everything's going great and everybody's having a good time and high fives, but when it comes down to, you know, people aren't happy with their salaries or people not, uh, you know, expecting more hours or less hours or can't work one day, you know, I'm sure you don't mind, oh, I can't work, you know, because we're buddy-buddy and those sort of things, you know, they, they come back and it doesn't work, you know, and it causes a lot of friction. And so we, we kind of learn. You can't hire your friends all the time. It's not going to it's not gonna lead to the best uh, practices. And do you find in a partnership some of the employees feed off of one mark versus another? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They try and play you against each other? We the, have the been... two-headed monster. Uh, who's the good yeah. mark and who's yeah. the bad mark? Yes, yeah. we have been called good mark and bad mark before, <laughs> yeah. definitely. And it, it really depends on, uh, on the situation. You know, sometimes uh, people... The people who work for me, they see me as the good mark, and Mark's the scary one because they don't see him that much. So when he comes in and he says anything, it's obviously because something's gone wrong and vice versa. If I start coming in and, and involving myself with the people that Mark works more closely with, they, they realize that, oh, boy, this is scary. This guy's uh, he's coming down on us. So your style has changed over the years. Definitely. I, well, and as we, we've grown older... Our employee, the difference between our age and our employees' ages has gotten bigger. You know, at the beginning mm -hmm. we were the same age, and now they're starting to put a decade on them. And we realize that, uh, you know, you can be friendly without necessarily going out and getting loaded with your employees all the time. And what about key employees? I mean, is it just the two of you? Is there somebody that you can really rely upon when you're not around? Oh yeah, right now we've got Sam. We'll call him Sam. Just okay, just call him Sam. we'll call him Sam. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean his style is great. He he works as if he's one of the owners, and that's somebody that, you, that that's gold. You know, you don't have to you don't have to always explain why and go over things. We've been at it for five years, so there were definitely some growing pains uh, and definitely some uh, you know needing to to have those conversations. But what differentiates him and some other employees that we've had, I and mean, we've had some good ones in the past, um, is that they, for lack of a better word, they're coachable. You know, they're they're willing to take feedback. 
um, and grow from it. Uh, but they also know that when they provide feedback that we're going to be li will listen. But it requires some trust and it requires some time. And if you've got that, it, it's amazing. It, it makes all the, it could make all the difference in an organization. How do you create an environment where you have people who who really feel like they're st stakeholders in the company? You've got to reinforce it. So if one thing, you, first of all, you, you say it, and that's what uh, brings them in. Uh, helps bring them in. You help uh, front load a lot of what we do a lot more front loading now when we hire people. Like this is what it's going to be like, and sometimes we try to undersell what it's like working for us, <laughs> so that they're pleasantly surprised. So being uh, being transparent a little yeah, bit too. Yeah, you have to you have to be very transparent what the expectations are, and uh, then you're going to be tested on it. If you're going to say, yeah, we're going to be open to uh, your feedback and you contributing to the success of this company, and they try to do it and you shoot them down, they're not going to try again. Um, so you got to really decide how you want to run your company and then follow through with it as because you're going to get tested right away. Yeah, uh, the uh, the guy that works with us right now, he's been with us for five years and he's really worked his way through the ranks. And I think the beauty of that relationship is that he's seen uh, the company grow and he's matured over those years as well. Where we've had problems is bringing in somebody for a specific job and they didn't necessarily understand the culture of the business and they didn't necessarily understand our interrelationship because dealing with the two of us is also probably very difficult for the employees because it is kind of like that two-headed monster where you've got two bosses and so he's evolved in his position and he went from you know just renting kayaks to become the manager of the kayak rental center to today he's actually the project manager for the team building side so he's seen all the different roles he understands the business really really well and when you're in a small business setting you need somebody who understands things when we've tried to bring people just to be our marketing manager or our program coordinator who hadn't worked with us you know they came in with a lot of expectations about what it would be like in terms of you know uh, their work ethic you know I'm thinking that you know five o'clock I'm out the door see you later you know not understanding hey if you don't do it nobody's gonna do it it's not gonna get done overnight there's just you me and and Mark we've talked about uh, kind of planning and vision and thinking ahead uh, we talked about a bunch of different revenue streams that you know entrepreneurs constantly have to reinvent themselves uh, you know, we, we mentioned team building Montreal a lot. Uh, how did you get into that? Was that, a, was that a planned venture? You guys saw it coming? You were trying to be ahead of the curve? It was a little bit of uh, good luck for, and, and timing. And at the time, we had the resources. We, you know, with those five partners, there was still a lot of skill in there. And we got our first call from a company that wanted us to do some sort of an adventure race with 100 people. And the reason we got a call is that we had been doing kayaking and they said, thought well kayaking they could do some adventure stuff let's give them a call and we ended up getting this contract and uh you know it was it was worth a bit of money for us and we were actually thinking how are we going to get through the summer teaching kayaking and so the timing was really good we did the program loved it and it was successful and so it kind of it was an ability to tap into the education side of things management um it was fun and that's why we continued doing it. It was it was a way to make some good money, but more importantly, it, it was something that I could see myself doing for many, many years. And it brought you into the corporate world. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it was a kind of a natural offshoot. I mean, if you can see the logic behind it, you know, you're doing adventure programs, you're doing programs for large groups, all of a sudden you're doing stuff for kids. Well, the same things that we're doing for kids could apply to adults. Um, but what we realized in terms of the corporate side is that there's a lot less responsibility in the sense that you know if you what we're doing with a kid is it's it's a higher level of supervision it's overnight it's 
food accommodations and stuff. And uh, the team building thing is similar, yet it's three or four hours and it's over with. And so from a, just a numbers perspective, you know, I'm looking at the numbers and I'm seeing costs for X program, costs for Y program. Well, they're much lower when you're doing uh, for adults than you are for kids. And so in in a sense, it's, it's unfortunate for the kids because we had a really successful kids camp that we had. Uh, it was at 120% capacity, but we couldn't make money on it unless we got a government uh, grant for paying for the summer students, mm -hmm. which we didn't even know we would get until halfway through the summer. So we'd kind of run the whole thing all summer, hoping that we'd get the grant. And if we didn't, it would break even. And if we did, we'd make a small profit. And you can't run a business like that. And then you can't charge parents, you know, $500 for a two, two-week kids camp. But realistically, that's what we would have had to charge for it to be worthwhile for us. And what about from a, now that you're in the corporate world, what about from a marketing end? How do you get yourself out there? How do, how do corporations know you, find you? Is we, there something active that you do? We've been very fortunate that uh, we get it, word of mouth has been amazing for us. We were very successful with the companies we work with. We, they like what we do. We love what we do, and and it shows. And so we have been getting referrals like that. But um, there's also a lot of efforts that happen behind the scenes. You know, you don't just create a, a website magically, and and that's more marks. Yeah, that, I mean, things. and that's maybe like one of the things that I always recommend to people who want to go into business is maybe before you start your own business, go out and, and gain some valuable experience outside of your own business. So if you make a mistake, it doesn't sink your company. Mm -hmm. And so my background was I actually worked in advertising and I was working in an agency right at the beginning of e-commerce and, and web design and all that sort of stuff. So I was able to bring those skills into the company and learn right on other people's you know, experience before applying it to our own company. So we were really early on Google advertising and internet advertising and uh, and and Mark had the great idea in the Google age to call the company Team Building Montreal. And you type in Team Building in Montreal before there was any Google ads. It was just the Google search, and we were the first thing that would pop up. Since you guys quantify so much of your business and what you've done in the past, uh, where does the majority of your business come from? Is it word of mouth or is it advertising? It's definitely through the website. I would yeah, think. now it's it's uh, it's changing. The, the the website brings in a lot of phone calls, a lot of inquiries. And then after that, it's a matter of, because uh, there is some competition for what we do in Montreal and, and in Ottawa, Toronto, everywhere we do programs. And we have to make sure that we could demonstrate really early on in the relationship that we, we could deliver what the client uh, is, is requesting. Yeah, and so like in the, the from the team milling side, there is, there's two different avenues. There's the direct business to business and then there's through intermediaries like uh, destination management companies and so they become our uh, our conduits to a lot of other companies and and maintaining those relationships with them is essential to the business so it's it's not really necessarily marketing as much as it is just relationship management and you know i i admire the fact that you've selected the marketing method there's so many entrepreneurs out there that just aren't sure how to get the word out do they rely on word of mouth do they do uh, online do they do something in the paper do they do something on radio and some of them just blast everything and not measure it but measuring it is really key and knowing where to go is is huge so that uh, that i commend you guys and that's uh, why the stats support. guy uh, was that's very where the, the stats guy comes to in to jump on the internet advertising <laughs> and we'll talk more about online marketing in a second uh stephanie darwish from for Landa will join us to talk about more of her her top 10 tips uh, for online marketing and for google adwords particularly because that's a Professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller. Uh, we bring into the conversation Stephanie Darwish from Full Orlando. Welcome back, Stephanie. Hi, nice to be here again. And uh, we have uh, the two Marks, of course, uh, Marula and Barchat from H2O Adventures and Team Building Montreal. They use online marketing very effectively, Google AdWords. And last week, Stephanie, we we're trying to get into this, um, this concept of Google AdWords, which seems incredibly complicated, but you've tried to simplify it. And so you've offered us uh, your top 10 uh, tips for AdWords, and uh, let's just sort of do a bit of a recap and continue on with the list because um, I, I don't understand it, and maybe you can help. I, I hope I can help. I don't, I'm going to start from the top ten all over again. We're going to pretend I didn't talk about them last week. <laughs> um, so I guess the first one I, I want to start off with again is keyword research, and I think it's a top ten tip because a lot of times when a business starts to use AdWords, they just type in every word under the sun. And yes, you're going to get a lot of clicks, but then you're also going to pay a thousand million dollars, mm -hmm. and you're going to get a lot of unqualified leads. Bang for the buck won't be there. And we got that. That, yes. that happened to us, definitely. So I'm of the mentality to start small and then expand your words. So a very refined list. And Google offers actually, um, this, I wanted to mention this last week, uh, a lot of tools. So I, when I come up with a new campaign for us anyways, I start with one concept and using all of Google's free tools which are within the AdWords platform itself, really refined to find what I'm looking for in my budget, in my time period even. So that's number one. <laughs> number two, um, also keywords, organizing the keywords into groups and campaigns. That one keeps you organized, two helps you with budgets, and three helps with tip number three, which is, I mentioned it last week also, um, if you have like 10 keywords in one ad group and six are doing really well and four are doing badly, I say take out that six, make a new group, that group's click-through ratio is going to go way high, and then Google's going to say you're very good and give you cheaper AdWords at uh, better placement. Before you continue, Steph, yes. is it easy to get this knowledge information? Do entrepreneurs tend to outsource it, uh, or is I it think, something they can get online? I think it's outsourced often, but it's knowledge. I mean, I didn't go to school for AdWords. I read about it, I learned about it, probably as Mark has done too, a lot of trial and error, actually. Yeah. And then a lot, of, a lot of research on finding out what other people have done and what has worked for them. Now, when you say keywords, are these words that you're purposely putting in text on your website in order to sort of generate hits? Um, it's a bit, yes, because at the end of the day, you want it to match up. But it, your ad word itself, the keyword, so say I'm selling shoes and I'm selling blue shoes, my ad word and my keyword is blue shoes. In my AdWord itself, I want blue shoes. And then on my website, yes, I'd tell you that I mentioned blue shoes, but it's a bit separate, but at the end of the day, the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, number three? Number, that, number four. Oh, right, number, four, four okay. number four. And I mentioned this one last week, too, but I think it's my favorite because it's such a, such a good trick. Um, I always bid on my company name. So I bid on Fuller Landau. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you bid, you bid on Montreal Team Building because I checked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, the good point is, and I mentioned that last week, is that you can then you have your hit for your AdWord, your hit for your Google Places, because you should register on Google Places, and then your hit for your website, so you have three places to click, mm -hmm. not just the one. And then also, you're always going to have a very high click-through rate for that campaign, and again, Google's going to reward you for having a high click-through rate with cheaper cheaper words at higher placement. So it improves the, it improves the bang for the buck, if you will. Exactly, exactly. And it... Sometimes people are sneaky on their websites and they're trying to use your name. It kind of impedes that as well. Mm -hmm. 
Number five. Number five. We are getting through them today, eh? Uh, split testing your ads. So for every campaign, uh, I have two ads running, and I'm kind of in competition with myself. So if I'm sending, selling again blue shoes, maybe I'll have an ad that says, uh, buy the best blue shoes now, and then maybe I'll have another ad that says, uh, blue shoes, get them here. And after, say, uh, I don't know what time period, actually, there's a website that I use called splittester.com that tells me when it's okay to delete an ad. I'm seeing who gets me the best results. And then I delete the ad that isn't working, and I try and beat myself again. So it's a, it's a competition Is it are, are, these, are these tips or tricks, are they time-consuming? Uh, to do, to set up? N no, I mean, it's, it becomes part of your daily routine. I, I probably spend, now that I have an AdWords campaign up and running, I don't check every single day, but I probably spend about an hour, hour and a half a week on them. It's a, it's a lot of setup, mm -hmm. and once it's set up, it's maintenance. Yeah, as a small business who, who jumped on this bandwagon quite early in the, the process, it's, it's remarkably not that difficult, and especially Google they do everything they can to make it simple for you. So you start off very simply, and then it, it gives you little tips as you're going along. It'll say, hey, have you tried doing this? Have you tried doing that? We've noticed these things. Maybe you should try doing this. Yes, it's and true. And so it's, it's really not, it sounds very hard, but it's really just about reading what, what's on the page in front of you. It's not any more complicated than that. And again, starting small. Mm -hmm. We've got to take a very quick break, but then we'll continue with, uh, with the bottom five. Uh, tips for Google AdWords and online marketing. Uh, that's coming up on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. The Marks are here, Marula and Barchat from H2O Adventures and Team Building Montreal, and Stephanie Darwish from Fuller Landau talking about online marketing. And uh, Stephanie, we're at the bottom five now, your tips for Google AdWords. Uh, getting a bit more clear, this concept now, um, so uh, shall we proceed? Number six. Number six, <laughs> I'm gonna go very quickly now. Uh, six negative keywords. Uh, it sounds negative, but they're actually your best friend. So uh, blue shoes, I would want a negative keyword to maybe be uh, hiking boots or hiking if I don't sell hiking boots. It just helps refine again. Number seven, landing pages. Um, the mm. URL on your AdWords shouldn't go to a page on your website because that's not general enough. There should be a landing page. Like your homepage. It shouldn't go to your homepage. Exactly. It shouldn't mm. go to your homepage. I'm selling blue shoes. It should go to blue shoes. <laughs> it should go to maybe a giant picture of a blue shoe being like, do you want this model? And then mm -hmm. they fill out a form, and then you see a conversion. And it's, I love stats, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the other ones are actually very general. So I always, we target our ads at Philolando geographically because we're in a certain market. Mm -hmm. So I believe in targeting, too, not being overly general. Um, I think I mentioned it, making sure to use the keyword in, keyword in the headline and in the ad copy. It, it helps your quality score. And then finally, content does matter, like in everything else in this world. And in that little space, um, don't use a thousand punctuation marks, because actually Google will say no to you. Mm -hmm. They don't like that either. And uh, to use action words more than just click here or buy now. Maybe be a little creative, like uh, search for more or something like that. Now, in addition to all these, all these ad words, I mean, I, you know, I've heard a lot of... Uh, about Groupon and to mm. drive people towards your store or your, or your business with Groupon. Um, have you had an experience, maybe Mark or Mark or, or Stephanie, with Groupon? Well, we did, a, we did a Living Social campaign this summer, and uh, for us it was quite successful. And I think the key to it working well for us, and, and perhaps not necessarily some of the, 
the horror stories you've heard, uh, the example people use is it's like drinking out of a fire hose, and it really can be that way. And uh, what worked for us is that we were we were using something that we had a lot of, and it, there was no incremental uh, cost. So we were renting out uh, kayaks and electric boats that, for the most part, are sitting in our cabin not being used when on quiet days. So as long as we could get the people to come when these things weren't being used, it didn't end up affecting our business. Where I see it go wrong a lot of times, for example, you see a lot of spas and sort of stuff. Well, a massage is very labor intensive. Now you're giving something at half price, you're getting half price, so you're getting about 25% on the dollar, and you're paying your employee. I don't think your employee's gonna wanna work for a quarter of the price. So a lot of the times, the spas, it it drives them out of business because it's too popular and they don't make any money on it. Whereas for us, there's no incremental value for renting out an extra boat. It's just one more person in a boat. As long as it didn't, we didn't have to turn away people on the busy days, that's where that's why it worked well for so us. So Groupon did work for you, but it, you had to make sure you put in the right uh, product, I guess. And one of the one of the things that we learned was that people are uh, inherently um, um, they wait till the last minute, you know, and they send out a message to everybody saying, hey, your coupon's going to end in three days. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a quarter of all the people that came in the last two days of the whole summer. So imagine we sold over 1,200 of these. We had 200 people come in the last two days alone. So that was where it became difficult. The rest of the summer, it was easy to manage. So as we get to the to the final moments of the show, uh, Mark and Mark, can you maybe have, perhaps give us what advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? Well, the advice I'd like to give is uh, make sure that you that we have is real. You know, you could be passionate, you can have all the support in the world, you'd love what you do, but make sure you're making money. And if you're not making money, you got to do something else. So look at the cold hard facts. And that's it. That's, yeah. that's that's my advice. I think the thing that we've stuck by since the one thing that I remember really hit home was all the businesses that grew too big too fast, and we've always tried to maintain a slow and steady growth so that we didn't ever get to the point where we got so big but the money wasn't coming in fast enough and the whole thing crashed underneath us. So just, we grew every year, but not so much that we couldn't handle it. And Dan, as as I see two friends that are in business together, that bucking the norm of friends can't work together, I certainly have one takeaway, uh, and we didn't spend too much time on it, but measuring, measuring the bottom line. I know uh, uh, Mark Barchat was big into stats and the other Mark, I guess hopefully appreciates it, uh, but certainly measuring the bottom line, measuring the top line, measuring the bang for the buck, measuring the the outcome with whatever input uh, has been put in. Uh, entrepreneurs sometimes take things for granted. It's great to operate by gut, but to measure things so you know exactly where to drop and where to continue, that's huge. And entrepreneurs cannot take that lightly. Marks, thank you so much. Thank you. From H2O Adventures and Team Building Montreal, and thanks as well to Stephanie Darwish, uh, who does marketing at Fuller Landau, for those uh, incredible AdWords tips. Uh, Stephanie, uh, big help, I'm sure, for those who want to get into online marketing. Thanks for that. My pleasure. And Josh, thank you. We'll see you next Monday night at 7 p.m. Next Monday night, a company called CI Analytics. uh, And this is a pair of brothers that are running the show. They had to deal with the tragic uh, death of their father very prematurely. So that story next Monday night at 7 p.m. You can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit www.flmontreal.com. 8 p.m. News is next on CJ80.